0: And Welcome to Foss and Crafts,
1: a podcast about free software, free culture, and making things together
0: with my co-host Morgan
1: and my co-host Christine.
0: Well, today's, I guess you could say, kind of a fluff episode, but, you know, less than fluffy, I guess, you know, also kind of splashy.
1: Yeah, so, um... Just in case you all were starting to think that we were, like, highly competent people, we had kind of a sitcom catastrophic event happen this weekend, and it led us to the idea of doing a podcast about what happens when things go wrong.
0: Yeah, I... It was so sitcom I I couldn't believe it. So... Even I think the retelling of it ended up being very sitcom when we ended up talking about it afterwards. We'll start off with my initial mistake of how oh, I retold it. I was like, well, you know, I said to you, you know, are you sure you think that you can fix the drippy sink? You know, maybe you should just call a plumber. Which, in classic sitcom fashion, that... the per- Was absolutely not which was what not Christine what I, said. Which was not what I said. Because
1: what Christine told me was that that sink is dripping. I think it's at the point where either... You should look at some YouTube videos and see if you can fix it yourself or call a plumber.
0: Hey, (laughs) it wouldn't be classic sitcom fashion if after the fact I wasn't giving you a hard time. Harder than you actually deserved in that particular case. All right. So from my perspective, I said to Morgan, hey, I'm going to go put on my makeup. And Morgan said, that's fine. And so I went up to put on my makeup and then suddenly I hear Morgan yelling, Christine could you come down and Help me with this and I was like why is Morgan so upset she just said It was fine for me to put on my makeup And so I but then I was like Oh shit something's wrong so then I ran Down the stairs and I run into the bathroom And I see this very Sitcom like there's like a Geyser coming out of the out of the Handle of the sink the handle Like of the hot water the Steaming geyser
1: Yeah so what had happened was i thought that i had turned off the input valve i turned it as far as it could go the main mistake i made was that i hadn't tested the handle to make sure (laughs) that the hot water was off and we'll get back to that valve in a little bit but so i i took apart the the handle of the uh of the sink so that I could replace the seating and the spring so that it would stop dripping. And as soon as I got, like, the centerpiece out, I pulled it out and there was a geyser. And then I spent, like, probably about a minute or two doing the very sitcom like, I can fix this by myself, grabbing towels and, like, trying to shove the piece back in to stop it, which obviously was not going to work. And then I was yelling from the bathroom, which Christine could not hear. So eventually I was like, okay, I'm going to leave this massive mess alone for like 10 seconds so I can run to the bottom of the stairs and yell at Christine.
0: All right. And cue back to where the moment in time where I am staring at this thing and there's hot water steaming out of there. And I'm like, oh, no, what should we do? And you're like, well, try turning the the valve. I tried turning it, and it won't turn far enough, so I'm trying to grab and turn the valve. But steaming hot water... <laughs> like
1: scalding water.
0: Scalding water. Our our water heater is very good. It comes out, the water comes out very hot when all the way on. And so I'm trying to turn it, but it keeps burning my hand, and it feels like it's never getting tight, right? And so eventually, like more water is filling up our bathroom very rapidly. And eventually I'm like, you know what? I'm just running into the basement to turn this off. No,
1: I told you to run into the basement and turn it off. So
0: eventually Morgan tells me to run into the basement to turn it off. So I run into the basement, and I am not sure which thing to turn off. I'm listening to the pipes to try to find out which one. I turn something off, nothing happens. I'm I'm like, wait, if I turn this one, I'm pretty sure another thing is going to start having water pour out of here. You know what? I'm pretty sure that water heaters have a safety thing where you can turn off the water. So I ran to the water heater. Later, turned off both valves, mm-hmm. and finally Morgan yells that it's okay, right? Yeah,
1: that it stopped. So, in case you thought that I was a handy person. <laughs>
0: well, you, so it turns out you are a handy person, but I'm going to give you one more piece of trouble, though. Yeah. Because then Morgan's like, well, you know what? I think I've already gone this far. I might as well finish this, except you couldn't find the stop, like, the gasket, right? Yeah,
1: so to, to fix a leaky sink, you have to replace this, uh, this gasket called the seating and then the spring that goes in with it. But somehow, between, like, the dripping, which probably means that it was already starting to come apart anyways, and the geyser, those two pieces are just, like, gone entirely. I could not find them.
0: So... Morgan's like well I think I should take apart this other, uh, the, other the, handle. the other handle in order to like make and like like you know in order to see what those equivalent pieces are and and I'm like Morgan no Morgan no <laughs> it and like Morgan's like well we've already gone this far and you've so already here's
1: our sunk cost fallacy so
0: and and look you already turned off the bottom valve so it's probably fine and I'm like Morgan If this one goes off, I'm not sure which of those handles in the basement is I'm supposed to turn to be able to turn this thing like our actual water off. So we could be in really bad trouble. Mm -hmm. Turns out that was a good a good decision.
1: Yeah. You remember that valve that I thought was off? Turns out it's just broken
0: yeah so the <laughs> valves in our bathroom were not correctly installed or just never worked, or something like that.
1: I think that it's that they were installed by like the previous homeowners and probably not installed correctly so um we need to replace the faucet, we need to replace the uh the intake hoses for the sink, and we also need to replace those valves
0: so so relying I was on never those valves going, was never a good idea
1: and I was never going to appropriately fix this sink because it was way more broken than just dripping anyways
0: so me saying that I will not be able to fix the things once things turned off you, you were like okay yes mm-hmm. and agreed to not open the other one we did have a plumber come the plumber informed us of all those things and then we were like wow so that was an adventure and first of all it turns out it was not morgan's fault that this thing ended up falling apart right morgan except for not testing it that yeah, was a big that, mistake. that was that
1: was my mistake that was a mistake.
0: Bad. the other parts were not your fault yeah right so we were we thought we'd have this episode as in terms of kind of a light episode in between where we talked about when things go badly
1: hilariously badly
0: hilariously badly and If you're looking for serious content, the main thing you'll get out of this is maybe some, like, self-help book level of, like, lessons of failing up and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And we should also give a content warning. We're talking about failures here, both in crafting and coding, which means that there's going to be some injuries, none of which will be talked about in great detail, and there will be no blood.
0: Okay. But, look, continuing with the self-help book... Some failures can be happy accidents type things. This was not a happy accident we just (laughs) talked about.
1: This this was just a straight up sitcom.
0: A sitcom thing that eventually the lesson was, okay, we need to get in somebody in here who knew what they were doing.
1: Yeah. Also, this did absolutely flood our bathroom about an inch deep in water and used up all all but pretty much all of our towels to (laughs) soak up.
0: Yeah. But some failures you can fail upward Mm -hmm. on when you're doing crafting type things, right?
1: Yeah. So in crafting, we already kind of used the Bob Ross term of happy little accidents or mistakes. So where, you know, you mess up something in your painting and then you turn it into a happy little tree and it's just part of your composition. For other crafting things, sometimes when you're trying to make like a infinity scarf and you join the two ends together, if you're knitting, it takes you... Maybe four or five rows to realize that that strand was uh, twisted when you joined them together. And now instead of having, like, a tube, you've got basically a moibus where there's a twist in it. Sometimes that's cool. Sometimes it means you have to rip the whole thing apart and start over.
0: Yep. And, like, you know, there are a lot of inventions in history, such as, like, decaf coffee is an example of this. I I looked this up hastily before this in 1903 as if this is an episode where we do, do historical research in 1903 Lu- ludwig roselius ordered some coffee and the the crate the i think he was a coffee merchant actually and he, the yeah. cr- the crates of coffee ended up there was a ship accident so they ended up soaked in the 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 seawater and they ended up tasting fine enough but you know apparently didn't give them a buzz or whatever. And that ended up being like, oh, hey, you know, we can we can
1: we can get rid of the caffeine.
0: We can get the ca- rid of the caffeine and things can taste fine enough. And so that kind of led to the the water process. Maybe not safely because initially like they were used, using
1: some harsh I think, chemicals. I think they used
0: benzene, which yeah. is like super toxic yeah. for initially in decaf. There's there's later innovations result in like the water process, which is fairly safe and stuff like that.
1: And then another really famous example of, you know, failing upwards or a happy mistake was the discovery of penicillin. So in 1928, Dr. Alexander Fleming goes on vacation, and when he comes back from vacation and gets back to his lab, he finds mold growing in some of the Petri dishes, one of which had Staphylococcus bacteria in it, and he saw that the mold was kind of preventing the bacteria from growing. And after a long, drawn out process of researching this, that's how we discovered uh, penicillin, which you know is an antibacterial.
0: Although he's not the one who made penicillin viable, I think somebody. No, leave. he
1: he did a bunch of research and was never able to get it to the point where it would be viable as a medication. It took about a decade and a bunch of other scientists and researchers to get it to the point where it was viable as a medication
0: so those are just kind of historical examples like pop science examples really things
1: that everyone has slightly in the back of their head yeah but it, they have to hastily do a web search to say them on their podcast
0: but like for me actually this is how i like sometimes when things go badly they go you know your 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 bathroom is flooding you know <laughs> And sometimes they result in, I don't know, society changing medication type things eventually, right? Most or, of our you know,
1: mistakes are not the discovery of penicillin.
0: Or even decaf coffee. But like I think changing the ability to fail incrementally versus failing all at once mm-hmm. can make a big difference, right? So, I, for example, you like to bake. I do. I don't like to bake. Yeah. And the reason I don't like to bake is I like to cook and I like to keep testing things as they go and like i screw up a lot and then this the things i screw up actually become part of what i'm like you know i'm like wait oh i didn't intend things for go this to go in this direction well you know what i have like enough of like a repertoire in my mind of like things where when things go in one direction i can kind of push things in another or you know me having like accidentally burned this food is actually an opportunity to actually you know make a nice smoky sauce or something like yeah. that So with
1: very few exceptions, you're usually able to
0: to resolve it. I'm able to recover and actually just make it part of whatever I'm doing, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, Uh, except for, like, the time that you dropped the glass thing in there.
0: I was so mad. Oh, my gosh.
1: That that was not a recoverable mistake.
0: Yeah, no, actually, let's include the picture of that. (laughs) Having slow-cooked down, or actually, I think it was pressure-cooked, all these vegetables that we had grown throughout the year that Morgan had planted, I had harvested and chopped up, pressure cook down into this delicious sauce and everything like that i i then pull something out of the microwave
1: which is above the stove
0: and then shatter some glass
1: directly into the dutch oven full of sauce
0: there is no recovering that one that is not a happy accident
1: no matter how many chunks of glass you pull out you never know if there's any left in there so that's when you have to cut your losses
0: So we both like Lisp. Yeah. Part of the the pleasant aspect of that is actually that it's there's an exper Lisp encourages experimental style development, mm-hmm. right? The like the whole worse is better story is because of um, Lispers feeling strongly about kind of operating on live patients rather than corpses, right? You know, you're a physician, uh, except and even more than that, you're like a you're crafting, right? You're crafting as you go, mm-hmm. and for you, even though you like baking. For most things that you're doing that are crafting, you actually prefer things that are closer to the Off same the
1: way. Off the cuff as opposed to following instructions. Yeah, the yeah. same
0: way that I like with, with cooking, right?
1: Yeah, so I have a lot of happy little accidents in uh, in my crafting things in the same way that you do with your cooking.
0: Can you give an example?
1: Well, so I don't like to follow patterns of... I mean, definitely not for crocheting or knitting. (laughs) Yeah, wait, hold on. You're
0: talking about with textiles. Morgan not liking patterns. You love patterns. I
1: love patterns, like, and pattern recognition (laughs) and behavior and stuff like that. I do not like following patterns as in instructions for how to make things because I am very dyslexic, and the notation styles that are used for a lot of craft patterns are very difficult to keep straight if you are dyslexic and dyscalculic so a lot of my crafting is experimentation and some of it is trying to follow a pattern and failing at following the pattern but discovering my own way that i like better
0: right and actually the terminals is episode that just preceded this episode I kind of talked about how Goblins was a you know kind of an output of me experimenting in other languages, and I think what I hadn't talked about was there was a game that I attempted to build that was kind of like a quick shooter type game, right? A quick draw type game, like in the Kirby games. They have this where you and another person, the symbol appears suddenly on the screen, and whoever presses the button fastest is the one who like wins, you know, and like you know that wins the shootout, right? and we're i was trying to do that and i couldn't figure out how to be able to make different events happen at the same time in this very interesting experimental game framework someone else had made and trying to figure out how to be able to make events happen at the same time because their system there's some goofy ideas about it led me to actually think well how would i design this and that actually led to goblins in many ways so yeah
1: yeah that's our section on happy mistakes and failing up. Now we're just going to tell a slew of anecdotes of uh, kind of hilarious ways that we have failed in crafting and uh, coding. So, one example that I'm guessing at least one person or two people in the audience out here who have done a lot of uh, hand sewing have probably also done is sewing whatever your project is into the clothing that you're wearing so i distinctly remember like when i was a kid and doing embroidery and sitting like a kid does like kind of curled up with your knees up on the couch and my embroidery hoop just kind of sitting on top of my leg i definitely sewed my my embroidery project hoop and all to my skirt at one point (laughs) um that is always fun because then Like, that one's not a happy mistake because it's very difficult to just preserve your work and move on unless you're going to, like, cut out your skirt or something like that. So you have to tear everything apart.
0: You know, I completely misread what this was on the sheet, and I thought that it was something else. I thought you were going to sit talk about how you would use hula hoops to like make your fairer. oh like... i
1: did use i i have used hula hoops to make a hoop skirt for and a run i was like
0: did morgan accidentally sew the hula hoop into the thing i thought that morgan planned that
1: no i i did plan that <laughs> i don't know if that that one wasn't a mistake though that was me being like i need a hoop skirt for this Renfair costume but buying a hoop skirt either i'll get like a really cheap one that's not gonna last or it'll be really expensive so instead i made one using hula hoops
0: so that was deliberate that was deliberate the only accident here is me ins- misinterpreting it meaning that our listeners get a bonus crafting story yes okay
1: i would not actually recommend using hula hoops for a hoop skirt though because they don't have enough give so they restrict how far apart your legs can get when you're walking so if you try and, like, run while wearing a hoop skirt made out of a hula hoop, you're gonna trip. Oh, okay. Also, maybe just don't run while wearing hoop skirts, because there's a good chance you're gonna trip regardless.
0: So my biggest failure that I can think of in... in Well, it's not my biggest failure. <laughs> but my biggest failure, this is my greatest failure of all time. No. This is a failure that I think ended up being very defining, though, as in terms of it, it helped me in my presentation style. Mm-hmm. By failing so dramatically that i realized you know i don't need to be afraid of presenting anymore cuz i managed to cuz it's not going to
1: get worse
0: <laughs> so at pycon during a lightning talk one year i
1: like maybe about 15 years ago yeah a long time ago
0: i was presenting on the animation framework i used to propose to morgan which that's a separate story maybe for someday
1: mm-hmm. that I, was not a failure
0: no that was not a failure uh Maureen did say yes uh <laughs> we
1: are in fact married
0: i wrote an animation framework in python to propose to morgan of my a character of me proposing and, and anyway the point is is that at pycon i was giving a presentation on this and pycon's lightning talks are like a big deal And, you know, this is my first time giving a presentation in front of this many people. This was like, you know, like a thousand people, I thought, or something like that. I don't know if it actually was. But I was going to give this presentation, you know, you only have like 10 minutes on stage or whatever. And I had written my presentation in the animation framework so that, you know, as you move forward it actually explained things. And I had given this talk at like the local Python user group, but not in front of this big of an audience. and And it hadn't been recorded and it it hadn't been recorded and so i went up on stage to to present this and something went wrong during the middle of the presentation where i stopped being able to advance kind of the slides and i hadn't written anything where i could move backwards um in the animation and so i had to go to my command line and kill the program and i was going to start it back up again but then when i killed the program Something went, happened where suddenly the terminal, it started spinning rapidly backward through the history. It was, like, going, like, like backwards and backwards through the history. And that
1: was probably, like, a key being stuck or something like yeah,
0: that. Yeah, it was probably a key being stuck, and I that's immediately what I thought. And so, like, I was trying to find which key it was that was stuck, because I knew I was already running out of time, because I had been halfway through the presentation. And so I started trying to hit keys on the keyboard, and, like... And, and, then, and, and then,
1: increasingly frantically.
0: Yeah, and then I eventually realized this talk is doomed. And, like, this was, like, this, I was presenting it on a key, a thinkpad, like, an ancient one that was, like, almost dead already anyway. And I was, like, this talk is doomed and this thinkpad is doomed. I am leaning all in. And people had started laughing as I was, like, smashing my hand on the keyboards. And I'm, like, all right, Christine, we're going all in. So I just start smashing my hands dramatically on the keyboard. And eventually, like, punching the keyboard. (laughs) Just, like, humorously on stage and just, like, And I just, like, gave a frustrated shout of, like, rah! And I'm like, well, okay, I guess that's the end of my presentation. (laughs) And, like, the the audience was erupting with laughter, and I was leaving the stage, and, like, and Jacob Kaplan Moss said, like, that was the most memorable talk of all of PyCon. And I'm like, well, not for the reasons I wanted it to be. And he said, eh, that doesn't matter. People
1: Uh, still bring that talk up sometimes, like, at conferences. Yes. People remember that talk.
0: (laughs) So what I realized was... If I failed that hard and people really enjoyed it, I can probably lean into failure. Yeah. I had a couple of other talks. It's not as funny as that, where I also kind of like, you know, like just kind of leaned into being over the top. And so maybe that's why decade plus later doing Foss and Crafts. Yeah, we're on a
1: podcast.
0: And Christine, obviously the over the top, ridiculous co-host of uh, the podcast, just leaning into it. Morgan's Morgan's raising... Yeah, you missed a a serious eyebrow raise there.
1: Sorry. Podcast format, you cannot see the facial expressions I give my wife when she's being ridiculous.
0: All right, well, it's time for Morgan to talk about Morgan being ridiculous. What's something ridiculous that's happened with you?
1: So, a few episodes, or a couple episodes past at this point, we talked about the creation of our van. So, converting a cargo van into a camper van... And I mean, there were a lot of smaller failures on that process. Um, I think including setting up. I had to redo the uh, the bookshelf in it where I had already started putting it together, and then I had to disassemble it and redo it because I could not fit physically my screwdriver into the space it needed to go to uh, to finish one of the things. But the funniest story of, of uh, that, which I think I did tell on that, le- that previous episode, but we're going to tell it again because it was pretty epic, was there was this old gross mat that was in the van, and when I pulled it out, I just kind of, like, ripped it out and tossed it on the, on the driveway behind the van, and then I started, like, cleaning out the van and started doing the rust remediation and stuff like that. But one of the things you might not realize... <laughs> before you start working on a cargo van that you cannot physically stand up in, is that's a lot of time to be kneeling while doing work. And uh, if your body is not used to that, it can be hard to adjust to. So after a few hours of working on the van, I went to get out, and like my legs were somehow like half asleep slash cramping. And I go to get out of the van and I just kind of pratfall face first out of the van. And luckily, that gross, perpetually moist, disgusting mat was still sitting at the end of the van on top of the driveway because that meant that I just fell face first into a disgusting mat instead of... A
0: disgusting, mysteriously moist mat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but that is... Preferable to just falling face first into asphalt out of a van, which probably would have been a more serious injury than just my pride.
0: Right. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So I'm gonna tell a former work story, which should I tell this or not? I think it's probably fine.
1: It's been over a decade.
0: Yeah, so this is me making a mistake, but I it was kind of revealing. So the Creative Commons license chooser, where you can choose between um, you know, the different licenses and it'll give you the output that you can copy and paste to different sites. In Creative Commons, on that license chooser, it would have an RDFA, the machine readable metadata, like which license you had chosen. And that is actually used by a number of different like, web crawlers to actually identify which content is under which license and so that they can like, power their image search and stuff. Well, I had worked on a rework of that and and the rollout for the new version of the, the license chooser went live on a Friday. You know, obviously the time when something should go live is on right before a weekend, right? Because that's
1: definitely when you'll be able to fix your bugs.
0: Right. So that went live, and I came back on Monday and realized immediately nobody sent us any message or anything. I just realized immediately that I had made a mistake, and that the license chooser was actually not spitting out the right license metadata so you'd select the license and it would actually give you the right license text but the for,
1: for the human readable text
0: but the machine readable version that you could copy and paste your website was actually wrong and so people were marking their their pages and i felt
1: for a whole weekend
0: for a whole weekend and i felt terrible about this and i sent a really apologetic email to the tech thing i was sure i was like screwed i'm gonna be fired or something but our sysadmin at the time sent an email saying, well, that just goes to prove that nobody's paying attention at all to the metadata initiative. <laughs> <laughs> and my boss was like, yep. <laughs> and, but that did actually kind of influence my thinking about like, you know, okay, manually marking things up, you know, the whole machine-readable version of human-readable things. We are one of the few places that is delivering this for people. And it it is having an effect like it's being used by things but obviously you know you know our assessment men was right people people just didn't realize so the i would have figured we would have had a bunch of angry emails and we didn't and that was kind of illuminating in its own way
1: mhm yeah this next story i'm going to tell does involve an injury and it also involves a saw but i'm going to remind you that there's no blood So it's not going to be as bad as the lead up to the story to the injury is going to sound. As I've mentioned in a previous episode, during my dissertation research, I constructed a Roman two beam upright loom. And in making that, I needed to make the loom heddle jacks, which are the part that sticks off on the two sides of the frame of the loom. And you can, and it props the heddle up for one position, and then when it's not propped up, it's the second position. But that required cutting basically like a chevron shape into a round dowel, like a two-inch round dowel. And I made the very questionable decision to use a miter saw to do this because I could get the angle and just basically cut like halfway, pull up, rotate, and then cut the other half. Um, So that I would get, like, this little arrow cut out instead of, like, a straight cut. And cutting the second one of these, the dowel moved and caught my middle finger between the dowel and the saw. And then the saw binded, which is basically, like, if the saw blade is not going in at the right angle, then it just kind of, like jerks kind of violently and then uh doesn't move properly which means that my middle finger got stuck between the dowel and the back and i'm pretty sure that i broke my finger but this happened in like probably april of 2020 And I did not want to go to an emergency room for a non-fatal injury.
0: I'm pretty sure I encouraged you to go. Oh,
1: you you told me to go to the emergency room. But, like, there's very little they can do for broken fingers anyways.
0: Well, they can can put it in a splint.
1: They can. And they probably should have because my finger is still a little bit bent. And it still hurts sometimes. But... (laughs)
0: I'm not sure what lesson, moral, lesson to take out of that one. Even if, I don't know. If, even if there's a global pandemic, still get a splint at least.
1: Yeah, I probably could have at least gone to Walgreens. You and probably gotten a could splint. have gone to
0: Walgreens and get a splint. All right, look, you break your finger, go to Walgreens and get a splint. That's your lesson, people. All right, all right. Well, so just
1: so the moral of this episode in general is everyone makes mistakes, and sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're a little bit horrifying, but. Making mistakes in both crafting and coding is kind of how you learn.
0: But I guess let's end this one with a partly why Morgan is a much more crafty one. And I'm the one who deals with imaginary worlds of software more often. <laughs> Would you like to tell? So people sometimes, people are surprised when they hear, Christina's is not allowed to touch power tools.
1: Yeah, sometimes people think I'm just like controlling When they hear, "Oh, Christine's not allowed to touch my tools," but that's actually Christine's rule, not mine. That's right. Because Christine, I'm way too
0: much of a klutz.
1: Is a klutz. Okay, so before I built the library for our house, I was building kind of like a prototype. Whoa, whoa,
0: wait, wait! People might not know Morgan built a freaking library in our house, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, there was there's one single room in our house that has two walls that don't have any uh, baseboard radiators on okay, them okay wait
0: wait wait we don't need to get into the library let's okay. just let's, I just... built
1: a library for our house it was our, it was my first house project once we bought the house and so i was building like this prototype bookshelf to, to like as a proof of concept to make sure that i knew the gist of how to build this library and it was my first time using an orbital sander and I had just gotten to the point where I needed to replace the sandpaper. And I was being, like, probably more cautious than I needed to be. I mean, I was being exactly as cautious as I needed to be and then a little bit more. But I had, like, unplugged the sander and replaced the sandpaper and then, like, made sure that it was off and plugged it back in. And I had just restarted sanding with the fresh sandpaper on. And I was wearing headphone noise-canceling headphones... And I hear screaming, and for, like, a good, like, five seconds, I'm just, like, looking at this tool in my hands, thinking, am I, like, dissociating right now? Have I, like, injured myself, and I'm screaming, and I don't perceive it?
0: Nope. It's your (laughs) wife, the klutz, who, while Morgan uses a fancy power tool, her wife merely steps one step out the door and sprains her ankle turning it at a 90 degree angle as she steps off a single step
1: (laughs) and then like throws the door open dramatically screaming and like pulls herself inside
0: it was a 90 degree angle that freaking hurt i believe that it hurt (laughs) so yes so morgan uses the power tools christine does not use the power tools working christine cooks in the kitchen and programs the softwares christine does not touch the power tools anyway that's the reason the whole reason for that is knowing your limits so that the yeah. failures can be funny and, and not, not traumatic traumatic and life-ending and on that note make mistakes learn stay- from your
1: mistakes
0: Make making mistakes possible and safe and not dangerous.
1: Yeah, take the steps that you need to take so that your mistakes are not catastrophic.
0: And on that note, bye, everybody.
1: Thanks, bye.
0: Foss and Crafts is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International License. It's
1: hosted by Morgan Lemmerweber and Christine Lemmerweber.
0: The intro music is composed by Christine Lemmerweber, meaning myself, in Milky Tracker, and is released under the same license as the show.
1: The outro music is Enchanted Tiki 86, composed by Alex Smith of The Cynic Project, and is waived into the public domain under CC01.0. See cynicmusic.com for more information.
0: You can get in contact with us on the Fediverse, Foss and Crafts, at octodon.social, on Twitter as at Foss and Crafts, or you can email us, podcast at fossandcrafts.org.
1: We also have a chat room. Join our community on hash Foss and Crafts on irc.libera.chat.
0: If you'd like to support the show, you can donate at patreon.com forward slash Foss and Crafts.
1: That's it for this week.
0: Until next time,
1: stay free. And stay crafty.
0: Wait, did you write Oh, you wrote you did write metadata. I? I thought you wrote the Creative Commons Melodrama, which would have actually been <laughs> accurate.